What's up, guys? I'm Han. This is Han Talks First, the Star Wars podcast you're looking for. It's a different time than normal. Sorry about that. But we're here and I'm joined by a guest today. You remember when I told you guys that I would have a guest on the show and it never happened? And then I told you again the following week that it would happen and it still never happened. Well, he's finally here today. I'm joined again. It's been a while, but um, he's been on the show twice, twice before, right? Right. Twice before. And um, so some of you might might know him. Uh, this is I'm so excited. <laughs> Lewis <laughs> Woods. We're actually doing it a little differently. So we have two cameras going on, but uh, we're actually in the same room, which is actually kind of hard to believe right. because uh, the screens look so different. But <laughs> see, it's <laughs> proof, proof that we're in the same room. Um, and uh, Chris, for those of you that know, Chris is in the background too. That's her hand right there. So. <laughs> um, with that being said, we're having uh, we're, I have a different setup going on with the audio and video. So if something is off, if anyone's watching live, let me know um, so I can try and fix it while we're here. Uh, and let me turn my notifications off. But yeah, so today we're talking about the filmmaking of Star Wars. This is this episode is titled Star Wars Film Schools. So we're going to talk about filmmaking. Uh, we're going to relate it back to Star Wars, talk about some of the achievements they've, they come up with. And um, uh, hey, Lewis, could you yeah. behind you on your left is my dirty laundry. Can you like push it onto the floor? <laughs> on the floor? Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> that was distracting. My bad. Um, but yeah, before we uh, jump into anything, really, I'm going to let Lewis take a second, introduce himself and let you guys know a little bit about him. So take it away, my friend. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm from North Carolina. Uh, moved out to L.A. to pursue filmmaking. Um, I want to become a director, but I'm currently an actor, a writer. Uh, yeah, I just love movies. I love films. I love TV shows. I love anything that's visual. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why he's here today because um, he's a a local LA filmmaker, uh, and we'll get his point of view, some experience, some things maybe you're working on too, and then uh, you can share your perspective on things, and maybe that'll be a little bit more insightful for people out there. And um, yeah, so for any anyone who's been listening for a while, uh, I haven't been doing the bad batch reviews because I haven't watched the last two episodes. Um, so I will. I know <laughs> I need to. I need to get on it. Uh, the the most recent one I did watch was just so uninteresting to me. Uh, it kind of discouraged me from wanting to watch, but I'm going to do it as soon as I can. Uh, but until then, we're going to talk about some other great Star Wars stuff. And since we're, we didn't do the show on Monday, um, we're going to go ahead and start this episode off with our first weekly segment, which is Star Wars Replay. So here is this week's episode of Star Wars Replay. Enjoy. Star Wars Replay! Star Wars Replay is where we replay major moments and events that happened this week in Star Wars history. And this week, back in 1942, Harrison Ford, our very own Han Solo, was born. Back in 1948, Ben Burt, who was the sound designer for the original trilogy and the editor of the prequel movies, was born. Back in 1961, Forrest Whitaker, who plays Saw Gerrera in Rogue One, is also born. And this week in 1976, filming for A New Hope, the very first Star Wars movie, wrapped shooting. And finally, back in 2012, Knights of the Old Republic Collection was released for PC platform. 
That's it for Star Wars Replay. Tune in next week to find out what major moments and events happened next week in Star Wars history. So a lot of great things happened this week in Star Wars history. Uh, of course, most significantly, the birthday, Harrison Ford. So happy birthday to Harrison out there. Uh, one of our favorite uh, Star Wars characters. So we got a lot to talk about today. And uh, I'm mostly curious to hear from you about your experience as being a filmmaker, since it's kind of something that isn't, you know, it's, it's relatively new as far as being on the other side of the camera, or at least for the past couple of years, because you started off as an actor and mm. stage and theatrical stuff. Right. And now it's kind of transitioned more towards movies and cinema and the art of that. So I'm curious to hear what what made the change and also how like what you're working on now, how you're growing and what what new things you've learned and make sure to have your mic uh, up a little bit facing you. Yes, of course, of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> ASMR. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, it's like preschool, honestly, filmmaking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know, people would kill me for saying that. Um, no, I, I, I started off as a musical theater nerd. Started off on stage, singing, performing, only on stage. And then I think the movie that inspired me to become a filmmaker, um, this is so embarrassing, but The Chronicles of Narnia, not the Disney versions, but the BBC version, <laughs> were so good. Oh my god! I was just like, oh, like, oh, look, like, oh, it was that was so how great. I was introduced to. Yeah, they the were BB, great. Yeah, the puppet, the puppetry, they like, were was so amazing. The scoring, so great. Um, obsessed, and then of course the Disney version came out, and like became even more obsessed with the story and everything. And I forget what what is his name? Oh my god! Like, I'm so bad with names, but the director, the same director of Shrek, obsessed with him, and that kind of led into this whole like world of wanting to become a filmmaker um even oh hello um even lord of the rings like same like filming on location is like one of my favorite things and i i think it kind of inspired me to like it's like an avenue to also travel you know yeah. like there's a lot of actors who are like i want to go to hawaii so let's make a movie and base it in hawaii and i was just like you know like that's so cool but um well, it's kind of like adam sandler adam that's exactly <laughs> what i was thinking <laughs> Adam Sandler, he's literally said that the reason why his movies are take place in different areas of the world is just because he wants to travel there. So that's that's his excuse, which is kind of sad because that means it's all paid for. You know, if he wants to take a family trip to Hawaii, he's just calls up Jennifer Aniston like, yo, let's do just go with it. You know, (laughs) and that and like the Drew Barrymore one when they went to Africa. Drew Barrymore. Just because they wanted to go to Africa. Right. Um, (laughs) But yeah. helps it lets you travel so, yeah sorry, sorry, and like ahead. no i i i i don't know it's it just like there's something really satisfying about seeing something come to life on film like i i can't explain it like when especially when a book turns into something very visual and beautiful um because i have the biggest imagination so it's i i love it I love it. I don't care what avenue of filmmaking I'm in, as long as I'm a part of it, as long as my hands is on top and like <laughs> doing something and creating like is super exciting. Um, well, it's being a filmmaker. This is a this is something I told Omar when mm-hmm. we were working on my film. For those of you that don't know, Omar God. was the editor on my my little short film that I've been working on that I've told you about. Uh, but when I was working 
with him on that when we were in the editing room one thing i said to him was like because he was like comment it was his first film he ever edited mm. ever and he's like just getting into filmmaking and stuff he did an amazing and, job i can't wait for you guys to see it he did do a good job uh all things considered and uh he was saying how great it was to just create something from nothing and i was mm. like well you know this part of the movie making process is kind of like playing god because uh, maybe every- that's the reason why i like <laughs> the god complex My ego, but if, you, wow. if you think about it ev- all the, everything's shot everything exists already but you get to tell the story how it goes so technically it's like a multiverse because you can change an ending with the shot just, footage just, if you wanted to exactly and the editor is in charge and they're like playing god picking how there's how the story is going to play out right. and you can have different endings it's like a multiverse so if you wanted to change your mind you can go back and be like oh i don't like how she turned her head there mm-hmm. and it's weird how we're like yeah creating something from nothing but it's all it's almost like a living thing in that way right where you you are you know you're you're conducting it you're orchestrating it whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um but it, it's an interesting process and <clears throat> for those those of you listening today it's a star wars podcast we're going to try and relate it back to star wars as much as we can and um the first thing i want to kind of start off with is uh well there's many things but we could talk about editing and relating that to star wars which is really important it's one of the reasons why it was nominated for best picture Mm -hmm. in uh, 1978 uh we're also gonna we could talk about production value star wars films started off with little to no production value but made it look like it was something Mm, really big and grand (laughs) and then of course um sound is really important in star wars and created such an importance to it in overall over cinema and then also um different types of symbolism uh, we'll talk about some shooting differences between film and digital and how Star Wars has changed that and also the cultural impact and of film and of Star Wars and movie making in general. Mm. So starting off with that, let's start off with cultural impact of movies um, right. with Star Wars, for example. Um, you know, it changed aesthetics and narratives of Hollywood films True. when Star Wars came out because uh, there weren't mythological tales such as star wars or heroes journey tales at that time there was just recently written the book hero of a thousand faces by joseph campbell which is now taught in every american film or american writing course or Mm. what is it called expository writing like high school level and so that's that's one thing that george lucas discovered before it went into the american curriculum was hero's journey and he put it to film he's one of the one of the first um often said to be the first because of its impact on society but um the the way he did it the way he brought it to life was something unique and special and no one had really seen it before and he also pushed for meaningful focus on dramatic conflict in these movies such as themes and special effects and then the transition to cgi and of course the main uh, pop cultural impact was the opening credits and how he did away with them. And before Star Wars, the credits of a film were always played at the beginning of a movie. Yeah. And then afterwards, yeah. it doesn't exist anymore. And part of that was he wanted the audiences to jump right into the action and feel the the wave of this new energy that was Star Wars right off the bat. And that was by opening the movie with... And the right. big Star Wars words, which was something that took all audiences by surprise at the time. So those are just a few examples. But can you think of anything else that 
whether it's Star Wars or movies in general that have created such huge cultural impacts. Like another example would be Lord of the Rings, of course. Right. So um, I want to hear from you. For s- Star Wars, since this is a Star Wars podcast, um, I feel I'm such a fangirl of puppetry and just the way they, just the puppetry in that, in the first three movies, fantastic. Like, I, and I kind of wish we would just go back to practical effects, but it it really just kind of like jump started a whole new way of filmmaking. I I don't I'm not sure if there's anything else before that besides like to use like Jim Hansen's puppetry. I don't was it Jim Hansen actually? Yeah, it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's just amazing. I feel like that's kind of like something that was very big and important. Yeah, I can't think of anything prior that would have used it like, as much as star wars did right um but definitely after more people did start to use practical like yeah. john carpenter in the thing right. and uh other movies um can't think of off the top of my head but what's john the, carpenter is a good example what's the timeline of like dark crystal then dark crystal came out in 85 I think. okay so that was a little later i was going to ask if you saw the tv show rise of the resistance yes of course of course. Beautiful. Love it. Are, is there everything. a season two coming out or Netflix canceled it? Of course they did. I know. What for yeah. the hype house? And that? well one one, th- <laughs> <laughs> one thing me and Chris were saying was Disney should pick it up. Disney should 100%. pick up the Dark Crystal because they own Jim Henson Company. Of course. So why I mean Netflix may still hold a license to right. Dark Crystal, so maybe that's why they can't make it. You but wanna know a funny story, actually? I I would love <laughs> it's, to. It's now like like coming to my mind um sorry guys it's like what time is it like 10 19 i'm like can barely talk um but i used to work on cruise lines and yes. one of the locations that we would go to destinations is saint martin and one day i was just walking down the beach and going to like the village just by the beach and i see this shop and it's dedicated to star wars and i'm like okay it's kind of weird like this random mountain in this random like island village in saint martin and the guy who owns the shop actually created the Yoda puppet. Oh, really? Yeah. That's just so random. Bizarre, yeah. Like in St. Martin, like I think on the, the French side or the Dutch side. How does Saint that come Martin. up in conversation? Like, how did you find that out? Was he just like, hi, creator of Yoda puppet? No, he wasn't <laughs> there, but like, it was oh, like, I I like a museum or something. Like, uh, I, I wish we could pull it up. Like, I wish we had one of those things to where we can like. Uh, I can. I can. can. Like, yeah. Let's see if we can like search. It. I'm, I'll keep talking. But like, no, like he I think he was the original creator of the the like, you know, like feel the force <laughs> like that one. Um, what, what is that? What is that monologue? Oh, um, you're talking about the do or do not do line? Or do not try. <laughs> Feel it. <laughs> you said in St. Martin? Yeah, in St. Martin. Uh, Phillipsburg? Say again? Phillipsburg, St. Martin? Um, the island in the Caribbean? Uh, I think so. I think I have it here. Nope, it? that is not it. Uh-oh. Um. I don't know. I do swear. We- I swear to God this is a thing. I swear. Unless like I was teleported. No, I believe you. It's just, it's so niche. It'll probably be hard to find. Yeah. I mean, if you type Yoda puppet, yeah, St. Martin, Star Wars, St. Martin, a yeah, billion I things swear, will pop like, up. Let me look at it. No, I'm not. Yeah. Um, no, Maybe we'll we keep it in mind. Link. Yeah. Put um, a link or something. But 
and with that too, with cultural significance, anywhere you go, you're going to find something Star Wars or someone. Everyone's seen Star Wars. Of course. If they haven't watched the movies, if at least they know, everyone knows who Darth Vader is. Everyone knows who yeah, who's Yoda is, right? And it, it's one of those things too. And it, it was it was creating iconography in film, in film history. Mm. One of the things that was really significant when Disney bought Lucasfilm and they announced that they were going to make Star Wars movies was they recently announced uh, Kathleen Kennedy as the new president of Lucasfilm and that she was going to shepherd the next movies going forward, starting in 2015. And one of the things she said that George Lucas told her to, to keep in mind when creating new Star Wars was that when you're creating new characters, when you're creating new stories and places and things like that, everything you make audiences should be able to recognize it by a silhouette. That's iconography. That's when you make something iconic. Because if you think about it, if you if you think of Yoda in just a silhouette, you can everyone can point it out. Darth right. Vader, you right. can point Jar Jar Binks. Everything is iconic yeah. in that way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think about it? Yeah. <laughs> um, unless you mistake him for Goofy, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, but it's just the eyes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that that's that's one thing too that Star Wars has impacted through culture as well. And I think a lot of ever since Star Wars came out in '77. Tons of movies and television shows tried to copy Star Wars and they didn't do it right because they thought it was about ships in space. They thought it was about explosions. Spaceballs. They, they thought it was about talking backwards people do, but it wasn't. It was about the myth. It was about the iconicness of it and about the creativity of storytelling and, of course, practical effects. So, yes, cultural impact of Star Wars. If you guys have any examples, if you're watching live, put it down in the comments below. And also you can interact with us. If you have any questions you want to throw in there, maybe ask me or ask Lewis. You can throw that in the chat as well. We will keep that in mind going forward. Um, now, since we are um, in the middle of the show here, I just wanted to remind all of our listeners, there is a tipping option if you're interested. It's at www.streamelements.com slash first slash tip you can support this channel by donating and submitting a question and we will read it on the show and use it as a main topic so thanks for doing that as well uh the next thing i wanted to talk about was um the influence star wars had for camera uh mm. evolution which sounds weird to say but uh, a lot of the times now when we have you know global communication and camera technology in our in our pockets it's it's hard to think of a time when that didn't exist. And Star Wars is actually one of the reasons why we got um, cameras so easily accessible because they wanted things to be able to shoot behind the scenes with, but they also wanted to make that transition from film to digital really quickly. Oh, wow. And um, Star Wars had a direct impact on cameras such as the Alexis and the Dragon oh, yeah. and also the Mark II and the Red. So really big names today, but at right. the time was kind of like, you wouldn't think those would be household names to cinematographers or right. just people at home that would be so easily accessible to independent, local, small-time filmmakers like us and any of you who are watching. Yeah, I just I feel my short on the Alexa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Wow. What was Star Wars? <laughs> out of uh, speaking of camera, out of other this whatever. What's the name of the one you just shot with Alexis? Um, the short. Yeah. It's called Somnium. And so Dream. between Dream. that and other projects that you've yeah. shot with different cameras on, like the red, which we shot the music video on. Right. Um, what are what are some differences you see, some similarities? What what do you prefer? What's what stands as, out to you? 
I'm I'm one of those directors that is still learning and very unseasoned. So I I am still trying to figure out my favorite. Yeah. Currently, um, I know what type of lens I like, and I'm morphics all the way. <laughs> but um, but camera wise, I'm still it's it's really I really like the Alexa, but a red is always good. Yeah. You know. But I'm still I'm still learning. I don't I I don't really know. I feel like maybe it just really depends on the project and the the story. Like with the Reds, David Fincher is actually who's responsible for making those popular. Nice. All of his movies are shot on Reds. Nice. Um, at least starting with Panic Room, if you've ever seen that with Jodie I Foster. And I do Kristen know it. I do know it. Bell is that her name? Kristen Bell. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that was his first film shot on digital and he used a red okay and ever since then it's he's only shot on red cameras and um they're beautiful i'm just not sure if it's my favorite also the hobbit movies were shot on red Mm. i think so i know Mm. people don't like those movies but no i love it (laughs) i'm obsessed with the hobbit um but digital filmmaking is huge today it's it's in some cases the only option it's it's really cheap it's easily accessible and there was a time period when that was not an option when actually. it was people thought it was crazy to do. Yeah. yeah. I prefer uh, film. I think that's the reason. I think that's the reason why I can't think of a, I, I definitely a, prefer film. Yeah. Um, and uh, we can get into reasons why first, but the first uh, real full length feature film that was shot digitally was attack of the clones. Oh, and sure. it was really important for George Lucas to, when he was making these star Wars movies, that it was one telling a good story and two pushing the, technological advancements of movie making and implementing as much technology as you can into telling a story. And there was one great saying by George Lucas, well, where it was, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was something like um, a good story isn't told through great visual effects, but great visual effects can amplify the story you're trying to tell or something like that, that makes sense. which is kind of ironic because people say that he oversaturated the prequel movies with <laughs> visual <laughs> effects. But it's it's interesting that it was the first movie shot completely digital and it was actually shot on a Sony HDW F900, which was made specifically for Star Wars. They had to commission the first real digital camera of all time Mm. and what's funny about that when you think digital camera you think battery packs right Right. Right, right. so the first digital cameras especially for star wars you could there's no batteries that could power that you had to Mm. plug it into a generator and one of the things that the cinematographer said on set of the phantom menace uh I say Phantom Menace because they were trying to implement digital technology during the Phantom Menace, but it wasn't quite there yet. So they did half of the Phantom Menace on digital and half on 35 millimeter film. Really? So, yes. Crazy. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to have to rewatch and like see if I can. You, you can tell which parts. Tell the, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I wish I had. I might be able to bring up some examples on the screen here. But um, so. Oh, I remember what I was saying. So on the set of the Phantom Menace. The cin- one of the cinematographers was saying uh, throughout 100 years of filmmaking, of cinematography, that it's mm-hmm. actually existed in motion picture. Throughout the past 100 years, people have been trying to get the camera off a tripod, to get it off of the cables. And it it's kind of reverse um, evolution because 
once the film camera was able to get off of cables to be right. powered, they switched to digital and digital needed to be plugged in. So it's kind <laughs> of ironic how it worked that way. Right. And it's kind of like um, evolution, but taking a step back at the same time. Right. So the cinematographer on the Phantom Menace was actually upset that they had to plug everything in and use cables because they were actually restricted to movement. So if you look at wow. the, if you watch the Phantom wow, Menace, yeah. the shots that are static and the shots that don't move, those are digitally shot, which you would think it would be the opposite. Mm. But you can see how quick the technology advanced from 1999 to 2002 when Attack of the Clones came out, because that whole entire movie, uh, Attack of the Clones, is just moving all over the place. Yeah. So it's crazy what George Lucas, uh, Lucasfilm, ILM was able to achieve in just three years. And people thought they were crazy to do it. What's wrong with James Cameron? Why is it taking him so long to get these... <laughs> the Avatar. Avatar movies out like catch up with the technology, dude. When did Avatar come out? Two thousand and nine, right? Yeah, All, it's come on, tell twelve years. Do we care? Years? Do we care anymore? Come on, guys. Do we care? I'm. I'm <laughs> Do we care anymore? I'm the last person on earth who cares about Avatar two. I I love <laughs> Avatar. Don't get me wrong, but. But this this whole talk of digital versus film. Um, leads me to my next big question, which is uh, 4K versus HD. Do you have opinions? I mean, 4K. I have an unpopular opinion, which I think 4K is a scam. I think think 4K at this moment in time is utterly useless. Why? Well, for one, if we look at how people consume content, it's either on their phone or on their laptop. Mm, I already see where you're going. You yeah. can get 4K on your laptops yeah. and through a, a external monitor like the one I'm using now or something like that. Like you see all my pores. But if you like we like for my short film that I just shot, and I'm sure yours too, was shot mm. in 4K. Maybe yep. even 6K for you since it was an Alexa. I think it was, I think it was, it was just 4K. 4K. I think it was just 4K. So uh, when I upload it to a platform whenever i'm allowed to do that which is either vimeo or youtube or whatever um i can only upload it in 1080p for certain providers because they only take a however big enough file and in some cases it's only five gigabytes especially if you're doing a festival rotation or things like that so even then people won't get to see the full resolution of the product you shot well whose fault is that (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's a great question but that's that's the that's my point at this I, time i don't think 4k is really necessary it's not. and even if you're uploading your whether it's a music video short film whatever uh usually in today's age it's all streaming and streaming sure. to buffer a 4k video or yeah, even a even a 2.1k video which is also very uh popular on youtube is in certain areas of this country uh, especially you can't even access 4k uh it's usually the highest resolution is 2.1k so it's 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 weird there but also it's it's different between film and digital if you shoot on film it's automatically yeah 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 it's automatically uh it's higher than 4k it's way higher yeah it's it's but it's i i just love film so much because like it also just puts the actors almost in a trance once they hit that like that that noise that it makes 
sorry. <laughs> it, it almost like psychonaut like, oh, we have this one take. Like we need to like get this. Yeah, because this like, is you like, know, it, it just it's makes not like the we actor, can like feel like it feels like a movie. It feels like Hollywood. Like, you know, and it is the yeah. It's yeah, because you you know it's like you, well, if we don't get this. That means there's going to be more money spent on another yeah, real. Yeah, it's like or... the actors get their sugar honey eyes tea together. <laughs> right, and what, what, what are you... the, the the other thing about like 4K versus HD, relating it back to Star Wars, the prequel movies mm. cannot be remastered in 4K mm. because the digital technology at the time couldn't have that much processing power so the, the highest resolution you can ever watch revenge of the sith is in is 1080p which is standard definition actually technically standard is 720 Uh-oh. your camera will come back on it does that sometimes um but if someone ever tries to tell you here's a 4k version of revenge of the sith that is they're scamming you <laughs> it's it's impossible to get a 4k resolution of that movie which is interesting too because mm-hmm it kind of lessens the quality of the film if you think about it because right now everything's advertised as 4k get the 4k steelbook set or create this in 4k you can even shoot on your iphone in 4k things like that so i think that's kind of funny too who wants to see jar jar in 4k i think a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um but anyway, uh, you had something uh, you wanted to talk about, which was uh, some kind of pitch. So I'm in, I'm interested to hear <laughs> about this uh, pitch idea you have for I Star don't Wars. Know why? So because <laughs> I'm thinking of like you know like let's let's try have have they won an Oscar like for like best film? Star Wars. No. Star Wars. Yeah. So I'm like, how how can we do that? Like, how can we <laughs> how can we get a best picture? Right. Like A24 is killing the game. So like, what if we took what if we took like an A24 type of style category movie okay. but Star Wars, right? And so I'm thinking it needs to be very minimal. Like we can't we can't have these like big production like blasting up a world, like shooting up like you know, like it needs to be like small, like almost like Peanut Butter Falcon, Boyhood, Moonlight, La La Land, right? <laughs> so what I'm thinking is La La Land A24? It is? Is it? No, 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 no. I was just, I was just going off in my head. It's not. Oh, okay. Midsummer, right? I was about to say it's so weird for right. Mid, um, what is it called? Mid twenty-five or twenty-five? Mid nineties? What? We're nowhere close to twenty-five. Uh, <laughs> mid twenty-four, uh, mid nineties, like these movies. So, like, let's turn that into a Star Wars film. Very indie. Let's bring it back on film, right? Chewy falls in love. <laughs> Chewy. Falls in love with an Ewok. Amazing, right? Very <laughs> your face. <laughs> it sounds I was, dumb. I was picturing it and I didn't like it. But I guess it's just as corny as Chewie falling in love with Maz Kanata. So right. <laughs> right. But it doesn't it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be like, you know, like in love. Like it could be like friendship, right? They're journey, like a journey somewhere. So so you said to be shot on film and on film the very taken back all the disney movies star wars movies have been shot on film uh, <laughs> okay great. i'm still a padawan i'm still learning 
So it's more than that. But go like, wh- what are you talking about? You're talking about are you talking about also tone? The tone, like you know, like that tone. So wh- what is your critique of Disney Star Wars tone? Is it too Disneyfied? Is that what you're saying? No, I was just I was just giving the pitch. I wasn't critiquing Disney or Star Wars. Well, Mitchell in the chat agrees with you. He would watch an A24 style Star Wars. Thank movie. you. Like it doesn't have to be that storyline. <laughs> But it needs to be something just subtle. Like, you know what I mean? Like a very side story that's not too big. Like an indie movie, right? A princess falls in love or something. Like, you know, friendships learning the lesson of forgiveness. But in Star Wars. So uh, <laughs> like you, very you think we've, we've been kind of exploring this universe in a way too broad stroke? You exactly. Kind of to, Let's bring it back. Uh bring back the which is why rogue one was amazing bit. right because it was so brought back so that kind of that kind of goes uh against like the original point of star wars right does it i i'm not going against your thought i'm just curious how you how you because the whole first it, it was originally developed to be like kind of like a serialized old 1950s 60s type of matinee on television for kids almost and so adventure big adventure but also kind of campy so gotcha are are you when you say to kind of bring it down a little bit focus on smaller stories do you mean in the way where it's less ensemble and more like character focused or staying on one planet like at one location character focus so character I i i because the reason why I love film so much is because you can take everyday life and just put it on the screen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's this moment in time, right? So I think, like, finding a moment, the smallest moment of Star Wars. This is why they would never hire me <laughs> <laughs> in their creative team, because apparently. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, feel like, I feel like Star Wars is so big already, right? So I don't think it's going to harm... I don't think it's going to damage the brand. I think literally just finding a moment and focusing on that moment. I think that's where the sequel trilogy uh, kind of missed the mark is each movie they tried to introduce like 10 new more characters. I think that's what I'm... T- yeah, 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 yeah. It was too big. Wasn't enough time for the yeah. original Ray, for example, to focus just on her and things like that. But I, I even feel like the original Star Wars was very... Did the same thing? No, no, no. I feel like it kind of like was very minimal in a way. Oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But like now it's like we're trying to catch up to the other stories. We're like, why do we have to worry about those stories anymore? Why can't we find something without, within the universe and like focus on this film family who's like poor Yeah, and trying to live within this world and I think you're saying to grab the essence of what the original Star Wars was. Because if you think about the A New Hope, we spent the first 15 minutes following R2-D2 and C-3PO in the desert. We haven't even met Luke yet for 15 minutes of the movie. He's the main character. He's our hero. And then when we do meet Luke, it's a really slow burn. He has a conversation with an old man, talks about the Force. No one knows what that is. And it's just, it's very gradual. It's a slow build. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of if you feel one with the character i guess more character driven is what you're what you're and then like if, like also if you put yourself back in that time when it came out maybe this was kind of like an indie film in a way it's very much 
not anymore because it's every every Star Wars film was independent until Disney bought. I think that's one. Yeah, since uh, they were all funded by George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one thing that makes it different. That kind of goes into one of the things I want to talk about, which was production value, Oof. because obviously um, the Force Awakens, the Last Jedi, and the Rise of Skywalker, uh, and Rogue One and Solo have all had the biggest production values out of everything that has ever been Star Wars. And uh, I wanted to ask you if you think that's what makes a movie better or worse is production value, is sets, is production design, is costume, things like that. If we Mm. look at The Empire Strikes Back, which is said to be the best Mm. of the best and everyone's favorite Star Wars movie, there's you could probably count on one hand how many locations there are in that movie how many sets there are yeah we have the swamp planet of dagobah we have the um bespin which is the cloud city uh where luke and vader fight each other and he loses his hand and the hoth planet a couple others not very many but then when we get to a movie like the last jedi which Mm -hmm. is also the second installment to a, a trilogy that's why i picked it we have uh i think when they were shooting that movie uh, they said they had 50 different sound stages for one movie, mm. which is insane. So mm. uh, when it comes to production value, how do you view that from like Star Wars and also your own sets and things like that? I think it just really, that's so interesting. Cause like, as my mind is like working right now, I'm just thinking of like movies that I love and like locations wise of like how many locations are within the story. And it is kind of smaller. Um, I feel maybe it's more so the story that's what's important. And because of the story, it might just pushes, push the production value, if that makes sense. So like, if you're telling like a, like a story that's like maybe two hours, right? You don't have time to be in so many locations because like, there's no point. And it kind it, you kind of rush the story instead of like sitting in that location and sitting in that time in that moment. So protection, but like production value, I love, right? I love when um, I'm trying to think of a movie that like has amazing, like, I think we were just talking about like Pan's Labyrinth. When yeah. you guys were watching like that production value is like amazing. Like even Crimson Peak, like the production value of that is amazing. Mm-hmm. But like, there's not that many locations yeah, because they're really just telling the story. And also the location is also part of the character as well. Right. And that's something that I when I want to tell stories, I want to really make sure we honor that location and we honor it as a character. So like if you're going to like one planet to another planet to another planet to a moon to a ship to a star, it it, um you don't get time to like learn the culture of that location. You don't get that is true if you if you think about that in star wars we spend a lot of time in space especially the original trilogy whether it's dogfights, whether it's traveling from one planet to another and it's if you look at it from a producer's point of view if if someone came up to you and they were like i'm gonna make this thing called star wars and it's never existed before and Mm. you, you you're reading the script and it's saying um there a couple scenes in space like half the movie is shot in space well you're thinking as a as a producer in production value it's all black how's an audience gonna connect with 
yeah. know, in a, a completely blank slate and just a couple white dots and ships, right? That's mm. that's hard to grasp. But the story of Star Wars is so good, it's so good that it yeah. you you build in your own head um, what's what's really important, and that is the a good story and, and yeah. good characters that serve your story. Yeah. So then the production doesn't matter at all because exactly. it also which is why like when he, it was everything was low budget like you know yeah. like there were probably some things like as an audience back then that you were watching you were like oh okay uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean but like the story was we're so spoiled big. now like yeah. even like even now like watching it like I still love it yeah. because the story is so good it has nothing to do with the production value like it's just, that's just the cherry on top right right you know like. Again, like Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, is because I love that so much. Is because of the location. Like I want to right. visit it. I want to be there. <laughs> like same thing with Harry Potter. Like you know, like that's why they have theme parks around it. But right, I I don't know. Like I I just I feel like the newer Star Wars, at least, like it's like so hard to like fall in love with certain things about it, is because like. I feel like it's not really focused on the story like it used to be, but like, well, that, I mean, that's, that's apparent because JJ said in an interview recently that they had no plan when they were making these three films and mm. that he wished they did because they didn't know where they were going with the story. Um, the last thing I want to ask you before we end today's episode is um, just your thoughts on sound in, in cinema. And then also thoughts on CG versus practical mm, yeah sound amazing sound is a amazing thing. <laughs> um only all right we're done thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> good night <laughs> only because like i'm i'm finding out like how important sound is and i'm guessing you as well no no, no. <laughs> but like with my short right it's a horror film it's a psycho um psychological thriller and i don't think it would work if we didn't have an amazing sound engineer. Like it, it's the story is the story is great, but what's going to push it is the sound. Like in, like any horror film, like the sound just like makes it. Um, but and then yeah, and like you're you're finding that out too. Yeah, I guess. and even like today though, we're lucky to have archives or websites or rooms right. that have tons of sounds we can use we don't have to make it Thank anymore God really for and Lucas studios yeah and really and there's uh, the sound designer of star wars the original is his name is ben burt there's tons of documentaries you can find on him he is the pioneer of modern day uh sound engineering in in filmmaking and he created every single sound you ever heard in star wars from nothing yeah. by exactly (laughs) by creating like blending this different sounds from modern day worlds into you know creating new things and very interesting stuff but uh it's it's created every and then because of that because of the new sound engineering and sound effects they did for star wars they created thx Mm. the big thing you would hear before every movie the and so they created new um sound systems for movie theaters and that amplified the movie going experience you know how many movies i have watched and at the very end of credits is like george lucas studios yeah, right. <laughs> it's like of course like of course the sound like they everything the sound whether 
whether it's VFX, it has the Lucasfilm logo, or yeah. whether it's sound, a lot of Marvel movies, I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even even Pixar. George Lucas created Pixar with Steve mm. Jobs. That was their baby together. So it's crazy the impact that Star Wars has had on on filmmaking, whether it was direct or indirect. And uh, the last thing I want to ask you about is CG, um, practical <clears throat> versus CG. Um, how, you, how you think it can work? How you think it doesn't? <laughs> I get it. I understand. Like CGI is cheaper. <laughs> I get it. Like practical effect is expensive. Da, 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 da. There's more risk. Uh, I hate it so much. Marvel does a really good job, but it, it pisses me off. <laughs> it pisses me off when they like have a full on costume and like Spider Man is in this like nice ass like. Excuse me for my language. Like Spidey suit. And then they CGI over it. And it's like, what the? Like, why? Like, why? It, it really makes me upset. Only because, like, it's going to ruin film in the future. The fact that they don't have to be in the same room anymore to act. Like, I have a great example like, of, like, the suit thing is Shazam. <sighs> in, the origin, in the most recent Shazam movie, the he had, like, this... Um, logo on him, the lightning bolt that was a practical effect and it was real light coming out of his costume. And for the second one, Zachary Levi said that the suit was uncomfortable because of the light and he asked if they could just do it CG and they had to conform to the actor's needs. And now they're doing a CGI light coming from his. And the original looks so cool. It does look. He's super nice. The the entire. Oh, Zachary Levi. Super nice, dude. Oh, we went to that together. Yeah, we went to that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and but that's that's one thing that because I think the practical suit looked really really good, and it wasn't just the the logo shining through. It I was love also, how goofy it looks. Like I feel like it's supposed to. And now it looks too. It looks too good. <laughs> like, no, it looks too good, right? <laughs> well, what's also funny about it is it looks like they stuffed him with pillows, but he's really that. No, jacked. he's just jacked. That's what's funny. He's he's yeah. a, he should play Conan. I think yeah. he's too kind of got a goofy face. He can't play Conan. No, Never he mind. Can't. He can't. But that, that's why it works, right? That's why Shazam and works. And at last I see the light. Oh, I hate that movie. <laughs> but no, I'm just, I'm like, I don't like Tangled. I'm not a fan of Tangled. <laughs> I've fallen asleep to it. Chris is upset. I'm so sorry. I've, I've, <laughs> wait. Re- oh, yeah. No, I, it's your biopic. I get it. I get it. I get it. No, I've, I have fallen asleep to it like multiple times <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it all right no. so we have to we have to wrap up for today but is there, are there any other last thoughts you have on filmmaking on star wars filmmaking or just words of wisdom words of for wisdom, our like, audience in the world no one knows what they're doing you know if you have a vision <laughs> if you if you if you like something that you want to see on film like is art just do it don't listen to anyone else because it's your vision and you're right I th- to add on to that, I think I think yes, I agree. I mean, if an idea, I think whether it's you know an idea, there was this great book that Aisa gave me. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it basically talks about the concept of an idea and how if you got an idea, let's say an iPhone never existed, if you got an idea for mm-hmm. an iPhone and you were like, oh my god, this is a, this could be really cool. I can make an iPhone and people will go out and buy it, or whatever. But you're like, ah. Eh, no one would ever fund it. No mm. one would ever, no one ever, no one believes that this could be a real thing. Well, then you put that dream aside. That idea is just going to pass on to someone else. And then someone like Steve Jobs, someone who's worthy of that idea is going to, yeah. An idea will always be made. 
it's just it's it it passes on it's like a gene Mm -hmm. and it just depends if you have an idea take that chance while you have it so i totally agree just if you have an idea just do it go out there do something make the mistakes but sometimes the mistakes are the best thing that you can make i agree and it looks like this is the perfect time to wrap up because my camera has just frozen so thank you guys so much for joining us today uh, if you're new to the youtube channel please subs- consider subscribing new videos every week we're also started just doing releasing deleted scenes from original star wars movies so check those out and be sure to list or follow us rate review on spotify apple stitcher overcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and if you are watching this live tonight is the loki finale me and Chris will be watching that and we'll be talking about it really soon. Maybe even tomorrow. I don't know if we have time, but we'll see. So you guys have a great rest of your week. We will see you very soon. And now somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the force West Side Story. be with you. West Side Story. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. <laughs>